We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room Production. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is the Big Blue Banter Weekly Locker Room Live Q&A. Here with you right now is Dan Schneier. Nick Pilato will be joining us shortly. I just wrapped up a nice little dinner from this place called Bali Cafe around me. It's uh, I had a little chicken kati roll, an Indian-style chicken burrito. That was fantastic. So I'm doing very, very well right now. And it looks like Nick is also doing well, or hopefully he's joining us now. Nick, how you doing, my man? Doing well, dude. What a what a weekend it's been, draft and everything that's come and gone after all the preparation that we did over the last, you know, what, eight months going back to the college football season. Now we know who's going to be a New York Giant, and I'm just so ready to kind of dive into how they're going to fit into Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham's scheme. Yeah, spot on, man. I mean, it has been quite a ride. I can't believe the draft came and went. It feels like it was just yesterday that we were starting up the pre-draft profiles, doesn't it? It definitely does, man. I mean, and it's so funny, too, because I don't believe we did a profile on Kadarius Tony, but I swear we talked about Kadarius Tony so often because of the Senior Bowl. So it made me feel like we did one on him. Yeah, not only that, we talked about him when we did our Kyle Pitts draft profile. We talked about him a little bit when we were talking about Trayvon Grimes, who was the other receiver there with Florida. But yeah, you're right. We didn't do a profile. That might be something coming up, just a little teaser for the fans. Maybe not right now, maybe after we get some more time to dive into the film. But yep, definitely something on the horizon, potentially. Yeah, man. The the Trayvon Grimes one is interesting. I think he ended up going undrafted, and I think he landed in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
which is it, it's it's funny, man, because this just like last year, this receiver class was incredibly deep. So I feel like a lot of the receivers who didn't necessarily have that like one trait that kind of stood out over other uh, receivers traits. I feel like a lot of those guys ended up sliding to late in day three and then early in uh, or, or then undrafted free agency. And it's funny. I don't know if you remember the guy I kind of said Trayvon Grimes reminds me of who was on the Giants roster. Do you remember who I said? This is back in like January. Did you say Austin Mack? It was Austin Mack. Yes, it was Austin Mack. I felt like he was a bit more of a better uh, a better contested catch receiver than Austin Mack was. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I again, I, I liked his tape. I hope he doesn't become anything in Philly, though, obviously. <laughs> now, that uh, he's, now that that's coming, but you're right. It's an, it was interesting how the receivers came off the board. I thought the Chargers were well ahead of the pack by selecting Josh Palmer in the third round. I had a feeling he wasn't going to slip all the way to day three. I had a feeling some team was going to be smart about that, take a look at that film and really like him. And I think, woo, you pair him up with Justin Herbert and his ability to throw the deep ball and Josh Palmer's ability to track the deep ball, that could be an interesting combination. And he's somebody who, if you guys listening are playing in dynasty fantasy football leagues or fantasy football leagues, he's someone to keep on your radar for sure. But anyway, for those of you just joining us now, it looks like we got John, Nick, and Ashton in the room. If any of you want to jump in and speak, hit that request to speak button, that microphone button at the bottom right, and we'll get you right in the show. We'll go in order of who jumps in first. So it looks like Ashton has hit that request to speak button. You there with us, Ashton? What's going on? Yeah, buddy? what's up, man? Um, How you doing, man? Good. You, um, I think the que- all, the question is, what do you think about the first fir- your first pick and in- what was it Devontae Smith, wasn't it? No, or... actually, the, the Giants actually uh, traded down and selected Kadarius Tony. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, yeah. you want to jump in first? Yeah, sure, man. I really like Kadarius Tony. He wasn't somebody that was specifically on our radar because we thought the Giants were selecting at 11 and he was more known as somebody who was going to be a late round one, but or even round two a lot of people had but according to Urban Meyer he wasn't going to get past Jacksonville at 25 which is interesting but I think Kadarius Tony adds a totally different element to what the New York Giants had and that's just an explosive playmaker who literally has joystick type of agility and the ability to just break tackles if you're not hitting him low beneath the knees because he runs so low to the ground he's gonna break your tackle like you see it so much throughout his film people trying to attack him high and he just literally they just fall off them it's actually pretty remarkable because he's like six foot what like 193 pounds he's not that big of an individual but he's just has these lightning playmaking ability he doesn't have that deep deep speed I wouldn't necessarily say that but damn is he just incredibly agile and he also has really good hands you can use him as a running back he can throw the football the sky's the limit with Kadarius Tony we just got to see if Jason Garrett finds a way to really ingratiate him into this offense and kind of get him going because it can't just be one of these things where it's like oh Kadarius Tony got two touches for three yards and that's it like they have to find ways to get him going creatively or whether that just be bubble screens or just anything like that get the football into that guy's hands in space yeah I think you nailed it Nick for me with the Kadarius Tony pick uh he was not my number one receiver at the time but as I've watched more on him I've started to warm up to the pick especially because he has elite traits and I think when you're looking for players to translate to the next level you don't want the guys who were productive in college but you can't figure out why and you can't really pinpoint a one single trait or one way that that player wins given his position that can actually beat nfl level cornerbacks because the competition level is about to jump for every single player who was just selected in the 2021 draft and some will not 
make the cut and some will not be able to compete with that jump. And for me, Tony has three elite traits. The first and most and foremost is his contact balance. And you mentioned it, that contact balance gives you such an advantage in space. Like you said, he runs really low. He's incredibly, it seems like he's incredibly strong for a size. That might just be that he's incredibly balanced. I said in my draft profile that I wrote up for him about a month before the draft happened that he reminds me most of Alvin Kamara. It didn't make sense at the time because we're talking about a running back and a receiver. But after the draft, it was funny because I was listening to Tony himself, and he's like, that's the player that I'm molding my game at. That's a player I see a lot of myself in. Um, he also said Devontae Adams, which I'm not so sure I'll give him credit there. But I can see what he means by that, Nick, with his releases off the line of scrimmage because Tony does have that quick feet and stop and start ability, which I would say is his other elite trait. And that allows him to create quick separation at times. So I do agree the sky is the limit for him just from how raw he is, how new he is to the position, and the traits he carries over. But I do have a few more concerns. The first and foremost is Jason Garrett because I do believe that he had trouble creating a creative offense last year and utilizing the weapons he had, really everyone that was on the field. I don't think he maximized a single player in that offense with the exception of maybe Wayne Gallman. So with that said, that's the first worry. The other one is the injuries, because Kadarius Toney was injured a whole lot at Florida, and that does scare me a little bit, Nick. But other than that, I really like the pick. All right, let's go on to the next speaker here. It looks like next in the queue is John Weiss. It's awesome. We're getting some new people in today. You with us there, John? Hey, Hey, John. What's up, up, John? Hey, first of all, I just want to thank you guys in general for all the hard work that you put into this, everything you did this weekend, man, waking up to a new podcast every day was just, was just awesome. I look so forward to all of these and I really, really appreciate you guys really stand out from the other, uh, many of the other giant podcasts and, um, just, you know, I don't know how big you guys are yet, but just know you're very, very much appreciated amongst, uh, some group of your listeners. Well, I really Um, appreciate that, John. I really do. That means a lot to us. Like, listen, we love to hear that because it is true. We put out a lot of content and it was a grind and it was fun. It was a fun grind, but it feels good to hear that it is appreciated. So thanks for saying that, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. And secondly, I want to thank you again. Thank you also for finally starting a YouTube channel, which I asked a bunch of times last year. It's going to make it so much easier to follow your weekly podcast. And I just absolutely can't wait to uh, be able to like actually see what you guys are talking about while you guys are talking about it. So thank you for that also. Yeah, it man, works. I think you, you nailed it. Like a lot of what we talk about on those All-22 podcasts, and I do believe uh, that that's where we stand out the most, or at least I hope that's where we stand out the most as that with that full All-22 podcast about the offense and defense. But you're right. A lot of that, you need to see it to, to understand it and maybe to put it a- alongside with the podcast. And we've got some ideas for that, but I think you'll you'll like a lot of what you see during the season there. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward. So I just wanted to say about this draft and this, just the off season in general. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. I I feel a lot of shades of like 2017 when like you know going to the off season we already had solid weapons and you had um, you know Andrew Whitworth out there. You had Brandon Marshall out there, and for some reason the Giants decided that what they need were more weapons and not to address the offensive line. And as you know, you guys have said many times, and we all know. You know, without an offensive line, it really doesn't matter how many weapons you have. And this just really, I, I'm really nervous about that going into this season. And, uh, you know, Gettleman is, has a tendency to, uh, you know, dig his feet in. And while we do know he wanted a second, he, he probably wanted a, a, to bolster the offensive line in the second round. He still comes out after and talks about how, you know, we like these guys better than you do. And, you know, you know, his whole spiel. But um, I just I have a lot of anxiety about that. And going into the season, I hope that, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they they, um, you know, find ways to get the ball out 
faster. I don't know if that's possible considering Jones already had the least time in the league last year or one of the least. Um, but, you know, it's just something that, uh, that I'm struggling with a little bit at this point. And uh, just to make one comment about Tony and, um, and Jason Garrett, you know, with a guy like Jason Garrett calling the plays, maybe you need a guy like Tony. You need guys who can break tackles, right? So if he's going to throw it eight yards at a time on third down, two, yard, two yards short of the sticks, you need a guy who can break tackles, right? Perfect draft pick. Yeah, no, I, I really uh, like that, John. Thank you for the kind words as well. But no, man, uh, I'm a little concerned as well. I, I think it's it's right to be concerned. And that doesn't mean that you should expect it to fail. It doesn't mean anything like that. But let's be honest here. I mean, let's just look at the facts. The Giants offensive line was not great last year. And yes, they can definitely develop. There's no doubt about that. I love the fact they brought in Rob Sale. There's going to be a much more stable situation here than what they had with Mark Colombo and Googs. So I love all of those things. But you're kind of relying on five different guys to take the next step. And one of them had taken the step once and then regressed in Will Hernandez. Another one's going to a second year at center. And then there's Matt Parrott, who I don't think he's ever played more than, what, like 26 snaps in a game. And down the stretch of the season, he was pretty poor against that Ravens game. I don't think he played at all in week 17. So there is definitely reason to be to be cautious. But, you know, they really trust this coaching. Let's hope that they get this right. But if everything kind of falls apart, I don't know if we should be shocked. And I don't want to be negative. I'm not trying to be, but I think you have to kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah, and I I would say this. I think that's spot-on analysis, Nick. And I know some fans aren't going to want to hear it, but that's just how it is. I mean, we're never going to just placate to the homers. We have to call it like it is. And I'm just as concerned as both of you are. But I will say this in regards to the point you made, John, about the 2017 offseason. Because as you know, I'm sure if you've been following me long enough, you know I pulled hard for Andrew Whitworth that offseason. I mean, in January, I was writing about how he was the perfect fit. I wanted that, and they made the mistake. But they are entering this season with a very different situation, in my opinion, at tackle with Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott versus what they had at tackle that season after they uh, after the offseason where they signed Brandon Marshall. I mean, we're talking about Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart versus Thomas and versus Parrott. And I will also say this, I'm always just a little bit less concerned with a weakness at offensive guard and on the interior than I am at tackle. I think tackles can derail you a lot worse than guards can. And so with all that, and I'll say this, even like Will Hernandez, for example, I actually feel like Will Hernandez, I'm kind of fine with that. I'm kind of fine with Will Hernandez playing on the Giants because I know there's a bad narrative around him, but from the tape that me and Nick watched last year, like to us, he was clearly clear-cut better than Shane Lemieux. All times clearly better than Lemieux. He was maybe slightly worse as a run blocker, but light years ahead of him in pass pro. So I'm not a- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm worried there. I'm very worried about Lemieux as a starter. I'm a little bit worried about Parrot because of things Nick said. But I do honestly feel like they're in a little bit of a different position this offseason in 2017. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that as well, Dan, to be honest. I mean, that, that was pretty bad times with uh, – guys probably hear the train, but just try to ignore that – with Bobby Hart and uh, Eric Flowers. I mean, a lot more optimism around this, but we're striving for the playoffs right now. That's what we're going for. You want this team to win this division, and uh, it's just a lot of uh, hope and trust in the offensive line. And, you know, these guys could develop, and that's, that's what we're all hoping for. But even if an injury happens along the offensive line, you're looking at, what, Zach Fulton stepping in and being a starter? That's – that doesn't give me a warning. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and I'll just add one more thing, actually, to that, because it's such an interesting conversation with the O-line, because you're right. Like, ultimately, this will depend. This will decide the season. Can the offensive line get to an average level? They weren't at an average level last year. They were 31st in pass blocking, and they lost Kevin Zeitler. But I will say this, with a player like Tony in the mix now and Galladay in the mix, I do think that does help an offensive line if you have the right coordinator, if you have the right guy designing the plays and calling the plays, because if they were to use a little bit more jet sweep, a little bit more fake jet sweep, a little bit more pre-snap motion, a little bit more, you know, if you fake the jet sweep and then you throw it right out there to the flat to Tony if there's only one defender in space, or you look back and you throw a throwback screen to Barkley, there's a lot of ways to get the ball out quick and to minimize and negate the offensive line with this many weapons. Like, they're really... Like, in, in all honesty, there's no excuse for Jason Garrett this year at all. I mean, this is I, – I get that his offensive line isn't great, but when you have Tony, Barkley, and and Galladay on the field at once, and that doesn't even include Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard in the mix here, and Evan Ingram, for, for God's sake, you should be able to design plays that get one-on-ones in space and get quick one-on-one looks. So, to me, I do think that that can negate it, but it is on a, a lot – putting a lot on Garrett's plate. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks of for course, joining John. us, John. Take care. All right. Thanks. Looks like Xavier Santos is next. Another new, maybe longtime listener, but new, 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 uh, new joinee of the of the uh, live Q and A on locker room. So, what's up, Xavier? How you doing? New joining. Doing well. Doing well. So, I guess thanks for joining us. No, not a problem. So, as a Giants fan, I'm drowning, drowning in cognitive difficulties. Right on one end, I love the value that we added in the draft next year, and I'm really excited. But on the other hand. I don't want Gettleman to be around to make those picks. And honestly, look, and let me start by saying, I went to Penn State. I'm a Penn State grad. So there was no bigger Saquon Barkley homer than I was. But ever since we took Barkley at number two, I've just hated every move that he has made. I think he's okay at identifying talent, but I think he just has no concept of value. So, A, I'm fearful that we're going to – that we're going to – force ourselves into signing Saquon to a large deal. I haven't seen a large running back deal really 
pay off for any team. B, I, Garrett, and I heard you guys talking about it as far as Garrett in the offensive line. I know that, you know, the common cliche is like, look, we got to get rid of the ball quickly. But unless Daniel Jones can show that he's that he can be accurate in an intermediate to deep passing game, they're just going to load the box. A, to stop Saquon, and B, they're like, okay, you want to run bubble screens, you want to run jet sweeps, we're just going to have as many people in the box as possible, and we're going to dare Daniel Jones to beat us over the top. And if he can't do that consistently, A, because we can't block for him and allow those longer developing routes to the, you know, to kind of develop, then I just feel like, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of wasted motion. I feel it's gonna. I don't feel like we're gonna have a dynamic offense. Have we, we've seen it before. You know, it starts it starts with the offense. The offensive line can make a mediocre running back look great. An offensive line can make an average quarterback look great when they have time. And I just feel like I've seen nothing from Daniel Jones to lead me to believe that while running for his life, he's gonna be able to make plays on a consistent basis. And you know. I miss the days of Eli Manning. You know, yes, he was a limited quarterback, but because we were able to establish the run, we were able to rely on the play action pass to kind of keep the linebackers at bay. And that allows some routes to develop, you know, behind the linebackers. And I just don't feel like we have the offensive coordinator or the line to really to really make that happen. So I'm torn. You know, I, I want closure on Daniel Jones this year. I, I want to see if he's our quarterback or not. But I don't know. I feel like if we come out, you know, to a – a uh, nine and eight season, and maybe we back into the playoffs. I feel like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna extend Gettleman or keep him around, or there's it isn't gonna be bad enough to where the owners will actually consider making serious changes. So my fear is just a nine and eight season where we make the wild card, but really things stay the same. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think you have a great grasp on that, Xavier. I really do think you have a good grasp on where this team is at, what could hold them back. I mean, to me, it won't be a surprise if this offense is really bad again. I won't be surprised even after adding Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, and Tony to the mix because I've seen enough really bad play calling and play design by Garrett. And like you said, it all starts with the offensive line. It's Nothing's happening on offense without that line. But having said that, I do think that they are taking steps in the right direction. And I would actually disagree with you on the Gettleman part. And trust me, I, there was no bigger agree. There was no one who would have agreed more with you on Gettleman prior to the 2019 offseason. But I do think that since judges got here, and I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but I think the last two off-seasons have shown really, really good signs of progress. Now, I completely agree with you on Barkley. It was one of the dumbest mistakes you can make drafting him at two. This draft should be this draft should be the perfect example for anyone who still defends that trade. Like, think about what or that pick, I'm sorry. Think about what the Giants got this year just for moving to ten to twenty. Imagine if they moved anywhere in that draft, two oh. or whatever. Two to five, two to seven. And take literally any position but running back, the worst possible position to take. Because of the reason you said, if they re-sign him to an $18 million per year contract, it could devastate this team. It could really be, like you said, there are zero examples of good running back contracts. They don't exist. There are no good running back second contracts. So all that still scares me. I'm with you. But I will say this. I would agree with you on the offensive line stuff. And on the the Gettleman stuff, I'm going to have to actually disagree with you, which – it's probably surprising to hear if you've, if you've listened to me before. I used to, you know, really be harsh on him for those 2018, uh, for that 2018 offseason, that 2019. But that 2020 offseason, it changed a little bit. I think I said 2019 before. But what I meant was the 2020 offseason when Judge got here, things seemed to be changing. I mean, who would have thought he would trade back not once but twice? All right. So, Dan, here's what I'll say. A, I think last last offseason, I hated the London Williams trade. You don't 
you don't give up draft picks for the right to overplay a player. Now, people are going to look at his last season and say, hey, his sack numbers were up, his QB pressures were up. But now, but you don't want to pay somebody after a career year because the player he was before last year was not worth $20-plus million a year. And at that point, we're not the type of team that should be giving up draft capital for the right to sign players to major contracts. You're, you're allocating too much resources for a player that up to last year wasn't that much of a difference maker. So I disagreed, I disagreed on that part. So this, in the negotiations this year, of course, Leonard Williams had all the leverage and we were always going to overpay from day one. Why? Because you don't trade up draft capital and then let somebody walk out the building. That's first. Secondly, I hate the contract that we gave Adoree Jackson. Nobody was going to give him that type of money. Now, if you wanted, now if you want to give him maybe more years, but a less, you know, the average annual value less. Okay, cool. No one was giving Adoree Jackson top of the cornerback market out there. Um, secondly, Kenny Galladay. When you look at the value that other teams were able to get at receiver, Galladay blew the top off the wide receiver market this year. So my. Teams, right? I feel like teams who are a player or two away can afford to splurge in free agency. But when you allocate that much money to a limited number of players, there's no way that those players can outplay their contracts. At best, they can play up to those contracts, but there's no way to outplay them. So at that point, there's just not enough upside, and we just don't have a, a deep enough roster to be able to go and spend that type of money on those types of plays. Now, as a fan, am I excited about adding players in free agency? Of course. I love Kenny Galley. Love him in fantasy. Love to have him on the team. Dory Jackson's exciting, but injured. But And it's yes, I like to, to make the headline, but look, man, we had one offseason, that one offseason where we signed Snacks and Janoris and all those guys um, to free agent deals, and it worked. And our defense came together that year, and we had a good year. But other than that, you know, it's very rare that a team is going to go from, you know, a bad team to a possible playoff contender off of free agency. Because in free agency, that's where you go to overpay. And we just haven't done a good enough job drafting. And honestly, we had our pick of, what, four or five tackles last year? And somehow we managed to pick the worst one. I think every tackle that went behind Andrew Thomas had a much better year than he did. So I, the last two off seasons, I don't think he's done a good job. I just think, you know, at that point, yes, he did trade back. He did get a first round pick and that's nice, but I don't think it's anywhere close to overshadowing all the bad that he's done for the franchise the last few years. Nick, you want to jump in or you want me to, to tackle this one? No, I mean, I, uh, I have, oh, sorry, on... go ahead. No, I was going to say, I've railed on Gettleman in the past, but I, I agree with you, Dan, to be honest. It's uh, the last two offseason, man. I mean, I'm, I've liked everything that this organization has done since Joe Judge has come aboard. I mean, I wasn't on board with the Leonard Williams trade. Like you said, Xavier, it was a poor allocation of draft on a losing team when, what was that, week nine when they traded for him and they had like, was it a win <laughs> on their resume at the time? So I see where you're coming from, but right now I'm fine with them spending big on this. You have to try to execute and win in this window at the moment because this division is weak you have daniel jones next year you have to make a decision on picking up his fifth year option you had a defense that was really competitive this year so i mean i was fine with them spending up i mean if you look at market value for someone like a dory jackson he got less than william jackson and shaquille griffin and i believe a dory jackson has the upside to be better than both those players i believe he's a lot different than william jackson but i believe he's a better player than shaq griffin you Kind of got him on the cheap, to be honest. I know it's a lot of money to allocate to a guy who's been injured a lot, but there's still a lot of upside, and he's going to allow Patrick Graham to run the schemes and the coverages that he wants because he's 
he can play inside, he can play outside, and because he's just a man coverage cornerback. So I didn't necessarily – like, I see where you're coming from. It's a lot of money, but the market dictate that it's, dictates that it's really not, to be honest. And Kenny Galladay, you needed to find a prototypical big X receiver. I know I was paying up for him, but he ended up coming to New York, and that's going to – that should theoretically really help this offense this season. And my take on this, Xavier, would be a few things. I'll start by saying I agree with you on the Leonard Williams point. Um, really everything you said there, but I'm not so sure I agree on the other points, mainly the free agency points, because if I'm running a franchise and I'm never going to get that opportunity, but if I am, I'm not going to treat free agency like a place where you're looking for value. I don't think that's the right way to play free agency. What I'm going to be looking for is players coming off their rookie deals, which both Kenny Galladay and Adore Jackson were, and basically looking at them as an extension of like we almost drafted them. We didn't get their four years on the rookie deal, but we're getting them on that second deal. And as long as they're really good players at their positions and young, I'm fine investing because the salary cap to me is a lot is very overrated. If you look at how the Saints and Chiefs have played the salary cap, the Saints over the last decade and the or last nine years and the Chiefs this offseason, it really gives you a good glance. And even the Eagles, remember, the Eagles are supposed to be in salary cap hell this year. They're supposed to be 60 million over the cap. They're fielding a roster. So to me, it just seems like uh, something I'm just never going to really get concerned over. And Nick said it best. When you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, that's the time you want to be spending big against the cap because you have to, you're never going to have that opportunity again. Or you hope you don't have that opportunity again because the quarterback is actually good and you could sign him to that $25 million or whatever it is. Um, so I will say that. And I'll also say this. You, you mentioned something about you know, when, you make the, when you sign those contracts, it's hard to have depth. Honestly, man, I look at this Giants roster right now, and I think they have some of the best depth in the NFL at cornerback, if not the best depth in the NFL at cornerback, some of the best depth in the NFL at safety, if not the best depth in the NFL at safety, some of the best depth in the NFL at defensive, on the defensive line, the tier defensive line. Like I do think Danny Shelton's a player, and I really do like B.J. Hill if he gets an opportunity, in addition to obviously Leonard and Dexter. Really good depth at receiver, fine depth at running back, whatever. I don't really think that matters so much. Offensive line, obviously no depth. That's a disastrous situation from a depth standpoint. Linebacker core, okay depth. But really, we just went over that entire. And then quarterback, you know, you have Daniel Jones and you have Mike Lennon. But overall, it seems like just based on that, they have pretty solid depth. So I'm not so sure, you know, spending big in free agency has actually hurt them from a depth standpoint. No. I, I get I see your side of it. I guess I'm just jaded. I just I'm not a fan of Gettleman, so I guess I'm looking at everything, you know, through tinted glasses. So I understand it. But I appreciate you guys giving me the platform. Yeah, man. Join us again. That was a fun one. Yes, sir. Thank you, Xavier. I don't think All Xavier's right. gonna ha- have to uh care too much though, Dan. I mean if, if Daniel Jones does fail this year, like I highly doubt Dave Gettleman selecting another quarterback for this franchise. Uh, if, if 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 the Giants don't make the playoffs with all the money they put into this free agency, all the backloading they did, it's over. I mean, it's only the homerest of homers would think that he deserves to stay. I mean, it's it's just too much losing. But let's see who's next here. It is Marcia. It is Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's happening, guys? How you doing? What's up, Mike? How you doing? Uh, Marcia, I can't, Mike? Yeah, I can't complain. Guy with the two first names. Um, So I kind of agree with Xavier because I was just listening in on what he was saying. And, like, um. It's true. Like, and Dan, you'll understand this. I think Dave Gettleman is pot committed, man. Like, he's got too many chips not to pay Barkley. We saw it with Leonard Williams. He paid Leonard Williams because, listen, he said, he came out and said, you can't find talent like that 
on the market too often. And, he, you know, he gave up the third and the fifth and you knew he was going to pay him. I don't see how he doesn't pay uh, Saquon, man. Like, I think that you're going to have another situation where either a Saquon gets tagged and then he gets unhappy because he might see the tag again. And now you got a, you know, malcontent running back coming off of ACL that wants some long-term commitment financially. Um, as far as Jones goes, I honestly, I, I, I've said this way back with Eli, you got to bring in some talent. That's really going to push him. I don't believe Mike Glennon's it. Um, I would have rather have seen somebody, young or hungry come in that that's willing to be a backup that might push him and take his job for the year. Cause that's the only way that you're really going to see it. Like towards the end of Eli's career, I felt the same way. Like how come no one is getting a guy in here that, you know, could maybe possibly say, Hey, well, you know, we need to look at this guy versus not. I mean, look at the Packers. They drafted Jordan love and Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. Like, Competition just breeds the best out of everybody. Um, as far as the draft goes, this has been Gettleman's one of the Gettleman's best drafts. I'll give him that where credit is credit is due. Um, as a franchise, it's the first time in years, like you guys had said, as far as depth goes, we actually have a plan. If somebody goes down, we have somebody in the back that's capable. Like I actually looked at uh, Robinson, the cornerback, and I said, man, he kind of looks like Bradbury, like just the younger version. Like once Bradbury's contract runs up, I could see this kid, if he pans out, taking over for Bradbury and basically doing what he does. Um, that's 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 where that's what gets me excited. And I think it's Joe Judge that's the one that's doing that. That's like, listen, like we need to really sit down and think about this. I think he even came out and said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Like he kind of hinted, like, listen, if the Eagles don't jump us, like I don't necessarily know if we make that deal, but since my enemy jumped me, I moved back and we took advantage of it. That's just my take on it. Uh, love the show. Uh, Dan, I have to ask you this last question. Um, in a uh, fantasy draft, who are you taking number one overall? Oh, Christian McCaffrey, without a doubt in a fantasy draft. There's, I don't think anyone should should consider any other player, in my personal opinion. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's role in the passing game and his role in the red zone are just beyond blue. And you, you've already seen that that Panthers team is willing to just go with one workhorse. So all those things, to me, make him the number one overall pick. But, Nick, do you want to jump into Mike's uh, comment and, I guess, question or, you know, well, break I was down just... there? I was just going to talk about Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants aren't going to have to make that decision until after the 2022 season if they are smart, okay? Do not do a Zeke and pay him early because he's set to make in 2022 roughly just over, I think, $7 million, which is, which is a pay cut, I believe, from what he's making now after the fifth-year option was picked up. So the Giants, they shouldn't have to pay this guy. And I think, the, I think Marcel was right. It's going to be a franchise, ta- a franchise tag type of situation. Hopefully, he doesn't become a malcontent. I, I, I'm not looking forward to the entire situation. It was one of the biggest reasons why I hated the draft pick back in 2018. And it's nothing to do with the player. Love the player, love the character, love the skill set. It's just I, I don't want to allocate a huge portion of the cap to a running back. Yeah, I mean, you know where I stand on this, Nick. It's going to exactly. be a horrific decision if the Giants do, in fact, pay Saquon Barkley. Because guess what? Once he gets paid, it ain't going to be some kind of bargain because he got injured t- two years of his of his rookie deal. He's going to ask for and get the most, the biggest contract in NFL history at the running back position. And so far, every single other one of these contracts has been 
has worked out horrifically for every team. The Todd Gurley contract, absolute disaster. The Zeke contract, absolute disaster. And so it's it's very unlikely it's going to work. And that's probably the biggest fear I still have with Gettleman because I do think this year and the last offseason kind of moved me in the direction of, okay, they're thinking about things differently. Judge's influence has played a role. Kevin Abrams is having a little bit more of a say as Gettleman kind of winds down. And he's going he's gonna to retire soon, by the way. It's not like he's going to do this forever. He's still 70. He's an older guy. And so that stuff, you know, I feel good about. But I know that Gettleman is the one who drafted Barkley. He fell in love with him. He said he was touched by the hand of God. He pinpointed that Iowa game film that he watched that, that told him in his head, I can't leave the draft without this player. So all that is going to be biased. All that's going to make his decision a little bit biased, not a little bit, a lot biased when it comes to re-signing the player. And in addition to that, and it looks like Brian actually, Brian in the chat actually discussed this, and it's a great point. John Mara loves Saquon Barkley too, because guess what Saquon Barkley does for John Mara? He sells a lot of jerseys, and he's an incredibly marketable player. Daniel Jones, not as marketable. Daniel Jones, not selling as many jerseys. And this is a business still. And John Mara knows he can make a lot of money off the field by keeping Barkley in the mix. So that's a whole another thing down the line, and that's going to be a big decision for this team. But, Nick, you're right. I mean, if they make the mistake of extending him and not making him play out that final year at $7.1 million, that's when I'm flipping the switch back on. Get 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 him in out. I'm I'm done with him. So I'll, I'll say that. I'll end it on that. It's gonna be a. It's gonna. It's gonna be rough, dude. Though to be honest, and I want to say there were a couple contracts that were given out last offseason as well. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. But I haven't looked at the details of those deals. But I don't think they're gonna sink the cap like uh, Saquon Barkley because right now Christian McCaffrey is at the top of the market. He's making like what around sixteen, sixteen point five yeah. million. Saquon's gonna get a least 18 million and that's a huge chunk of a salary cap especially because it will be likely after the salary cap rises the new tv deal is gonna lead to that so it could honestly be looking at close to 20 million per year for the running back position for a player who had two major injuries in his career so an mcl and an acl so and by the way it wasn't it, it, the first year two years ago was an mcl he came back from. last year it was not only the acl it was also the mcl at the same time which is not a great sign. I'm just going to say that long-term-wise. Um, so just some things to keep in mind. It looks like yeah, Brian bro- Healy is yeah. next. Oh, Brian's coming in? All right, cool. Yeah, what's going on, Brian? Hey, hey how's it going, guys? How you doing, on, man? Bro? Great, dude. I, I, I love your guys' show. Like, honestly, like, next level. I've been listening since the uh, the Tertian days, so I go back uh, pretty far. Like, seriously, quality improvement, everything. Everything's gotten so much better, so... You guys are crushing it. And I love the YouTube channel, by the way. Like, legit awesome. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. No, of course. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is, uh, obviously, a lot of linemen were drafted, uh, you know, in this most recent draft. And I was curious, you know, sometimes as those things happen, to make room on the roster, um, some inflated, you know, interior offensive line salaries are worth cutting. Do you think there's any shot that, you know, something opens up in this process where we can still find a way to upgrade uh, with any sort of free agents that can open up? 
I would certainly say there's a shot, Brian. I, it's hard to say right now. I, I mean, Trey Turner's still a free agent, but I don't know how interested the Giants are. And the Giants also are not exactly in the best situation cap-wise. So it would have to be like the perfect type of situation. But people always end up getting released and people fall out with teams. But something we've seen with Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman is they're not just going to bring a talented player into the roster. I think they want to get like that right culture fit and that right type of personality into the locker room. So I think a lot of things kind of have to align for the Giants to find somebody who's going to compete and compete with someone like Shane Lemieux or Will Hernandez. And I would say this, Brian, I think there's over 60% chance that this does happen because if you look at everything that's happened since Gettleman got here, it's really been a lot of now, 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 win now, win now. Sam Beal, you, you need a cornerback really badly. You force a third-round supplemental pick there. You Last year, they felt like they needed that nickel, that corner. They signed Logan Ryan. That one worked out. And before that move was made, they didn't exactly have that much cap space at that time either. They made a few moves, and they created cap space. As usual, cap space can be created. Cap can be manipulated. It always is, and it always has been. So I think there's a really good chance that happens. But my, the only reason I have 60% versus maybe like 98, 100, anything like that, would be that they might just want to not draft over Shane Lemieux. and Or I'm sorry, sign over Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez. Why am I up at 60? Because I do kind of believe, or I don't want to say buy into this, Brian, but I think it's possible that, that draft room video that surfaced of Dave Gettleman shaking his head was because he felt like he could get a starting guard with that second-round pick before he was sniped on it with Aaron Banks. And ultimately, I think it's possible that he had in mind, like, we can stand to upgrade at guard. We can benefit from getting somebody who can play right away, day one at guard. And so if the right guy opens up, I actually don't. Everybody says Trey Turner. I, I'm not so sure there. He's had some really, really bad film over the last two years to the point where Carolina dumped him and then the Chargers dumped him in consecutive seasons. It's never a good sign. But if the right guy does open up, I think it's definitely possible. Awesome. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, man, me too. <laughs> Same here. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is, uh, you know, they obviously didn't go linebacker. So uh, specifically, I'm thinking alongside Blake Martinez. And I know that you guys had mentioned that as we go, man, that could present some issues. So do you see Tay Crowder taking a huge leap because nobody wants to see Devontae Downs out there? So <laughs> any any hope for that particular player in that position? I do. I have hope for uh, Tay Crowder. I mean, he's reportedly, I mean, I can't really speak specifically on it, but he's reportedly like busting his backside this entire offseason to get better in training and doing all the right things. So I hope that he can actually step in and be that secondary linebacker that doesn't have to be this rotating door. He also was injured a lot last year. But I also think especially if they do run a lot more man coverage concepts, you might see some more dollar type of personnel and the, you might see a star linebacker. And that's one reason why Aaron Robinson was drafted. They envision him in that role, but that role doesn't necessarily have to be occupied just by Robinson. It, Robinson could be in the slot or Darnay Holmes could be in the slot. And then you can also use Xavier McKinney or Jabril Peppers in that same star role because they're good against the run and they can cover. That's the kind of great factor. And Julian Love too. And even Logan Ryan to a certain extent, that's the great fact about, I feel like the secondary in general, None of these guys are liabilities against the run. So you can kind of mix and match depending on on what the offense's personnel is. So I really like uh, the, the defense's ability to to do that on more passing type of downs. And if they could do it on even earlier downs or even like second and sixes and still not be like – still not be a liability against the run, I mean, that's going to be awesome. But we're still going to see some of those bigger guys. You're still going to see Tay Crowder out there. But I, I agree with you, Brian. I really, really don't want to see any more Devontae Downs. Let's just have him on special teams and we can have fun with that. Yeah, I would echo what Nick said there. I think he hit every single talking point. I think ideally you're going to see more of those secondary players, those that combo of Jabril, 
Robinson and McKinney playing that star role. Because honestly, McKinney's not the biggest guy, but he plays so big. Like his Bama tape, you saw him, and he was just coming up and making plays underneath over and over and over, driving down on the line of scrimmage. And honestly, sometimes just lining up in the box like a linebacker. Same thing Peppers can do, and I think Robinson might be able to do as well, and being effective. So ultimately, like I'm not as high on Crowder, I guess, as most, but I think in the role they're going to ask him to play, which is not going to be too massive of a role. I think he can be, you know, a solid player for them. Awesome. And then uh, I, this is just a final fun question for you guys, but um, Kadarius Tony is like the most versatile weapon here. Um, who do you think is in the bigger hot seat between Gettleman, Daniel Jones, and Jason Garrett? Oh, for, I, for me, it's Garrett without a doubt. Like I, I've already tweeted this. I think there's a chance Garrett gets Columboed this year. Like I think there's a chance it rolls around to week four or five. And if this offense is still as putrid as it was last season, and it's still the same issues we see on tape, four sticks, four curls to the sticks, bad, you know, bad timed play calling, running on second and long, like all of that. I think they could turn it over right away to Kitchens. I don't see any way that. Um, sorry, Jones or Gettleman, you know, Jones gets benched, let's say, or Gettleman gets fired in the season. Especially if there's, if the offense remains stagnant and there's like internal conflict between the offensive coaching staff, whether that be Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, throw Russ Calloway in there, the guy that used to work for LSU. And I think he recently worked for Samford, who's supposedly a young offensive mind. If there's some sort of disconnect there and the offense still remains, you know, putrid, I kind of agree with Dan. I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked, but I do believe the Giants don't want to do that to Daniel Jones. Tony seems cut out for pre-snap motion, and Jason Garrett seems to hate that. So I just feel like <laughs> something's got to give here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, trust me, man, we, we're going to be pounding the table for more pre-snap motion and more creative play designs. And I just hope that, uh, you know, the old dogs can learn new tricks just like Gettleman did. I hope that pertains to Jason Garrett as well. There you go. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate the time. Yep, yep, thanks, man. Back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. All right, we got time for one more. It's Hoodie Zay. You still there with us, Hoodie Zay? Ooh, love that picture, Hoodie Zay. It is a nice friend. Uh, man. Hey, man. I had to, bro. He, I was, I was smiling grin to grin when I heard the pick. All right, nice. Awesome. We got, we got a big time Tony fan here. Um, I wanted to talk about the overhaul that they got in the um secondary. It's a, it's, it's very confusing to me. Like, where's Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney gonna play? I, to be honest, I couldn't. I, I thought they was gonna do like maybe move Logan back to the slot, but I guess not because he's a lot older now. I don't know. I'm hoodie. I'm not necessarily worried about Logan Ryan as much as I would be about Darnay Holmes. To be honest. I think Logan Ryan's snaps are, are going to be – I think there's going to be a, a stronger rotation with a healthy Xavier McKinney. So maybe they won't play as many snaps as they did last year. But I'm a little bit more worried about Darnay Holmes. That, that, that would be the one secondary guy who I, who I still love that I would say, okay, the Aaron Robinson pick. Uh, not really the Rodarius Williams one, but the Aaron Robinson pick, that's the one that – that's the player that I would question. And I would, um, say, I would say this, Hoodie. I think that Xavier, there's nothing to be worried about there. I think on this roster currently – Xavier by no, far and last, away. Xavier last by year far when away. they picked him, last year when he picked him, I was high on him, very yeah. high on him, and he and got more, hurt. And as we move forward to this season, Xavier, out of all the guys in the secondary, Xavier still projects as by far and away the guy they can trust most in single high safety looks by far. And Jabril Beppers got better in that regard last year, but Logan Ryan's not playing that role, and Xavier McKinney still, like I said, projects as the best fit there. So I don't think anything's happened there. The Ryan thing's interesting to me, Nick, because and to me, Hoodie, because I think there are 
potentially scenarios that could play out where Ryan's snaps do get cut back a decent amount. But he is so smart out there, and he is such a good leader for them, and he does seem to get those guys in the right positions on a snap-to-snap basis that I feel like that alone is a lot of value. And so I'm not sold on him losing snaps. But really, ultimately, I just think they're going to have a nice rotation and have a really good training camp competition. And it's good to have depth. It's good to have this kind of competition, especially at the skill positions because the injuries are so much higher and more likely at corner and receiver than a lot of these other positions. Yeah, and the the problem last year for us on defense was was it was James Bradbury and nobody else in that secondary. Well, Jabril Peppers, yeah, but Jabril Peppers is more of a in-the-box type of guy, or he plays everywhere. But when it came to cornerback, we had nobody else to play that secondary position with James Bradbury. So now you want to hope Adoree gets back to at least somewhat to what he was in 2019, but a little bit better. So, and Aaron Robinson, maybe he maybe he could be that slot guy or Darnay. Either way, I I'm, I like what I'm seeing under the secondary this year. Absolutely, Hoodie. And I, I was thinking about it a couple of days ago. In 2019, we saw Grant Haley in the slot, right? And the other player who was playing significant snaps in that secondary was a guy who was naming names off on the stage at the draft this weekend because he's retired in Antoine Buffet. So you think about oh, like the progress- you think about that progression, man. It, it, they've added a lot of talent and a lot of young talent as well. Logan Ryan's getting up there, but I believe, like Dan alluded to, he's the seasoned vet, pure leader out there for communications, the set, the coverages, and everything like that. I'm uh, in just two years. I mean, they really kind of revamped this secondary, made it a lot more respectable than it was just a few short years ago. And that was after they invested a first-round pick in DeAndre Baker that didn't work out, and then obviously ultimately didn't work out because he's not on the roster anymore. Yeah, and, no doubt about it. Uh, and then the slot position for the other side of the ball, I'm, do you guys think it's over? It's up for Sterling Shepard? I think it's over for him. I think he's going to have one more year here, but I, I do believe after this season he might not be a New York Giant anymore. And it might be premature to say that, but investing in Kadarius Toney, you're going to have Darius Slayton for one more year, and you know that you're going to be up against the cap, and I believe they can release him, and it's it's not going to be a lot against the next year's dead cap. But this year, I think it would be a, a decent amount, but I think it's only going to be like either 6 or $4 million against the dead cap if he's released after this season. And I think that might be a course of action, Hoodie. As much as I, I don't like it, I understand it, because I am a big Sterling Shepard fan. I think he's very, very underrated, but you know he's just not, he's not consistently available. He's injured a lot. Yeah, I think I'd echo what Nick says. I actually think Shepard is one of the most underrated players on the roster from a film standpoint. Like when we watch the All-22 every week, he's consistently getting open. He's consistently creating separation, but he's been injured a lot in his career. And in my mind, he is still a very limited player based on his size. I think he's best fit by far in the slot. He can win on the outside, but he's not giving you as much as you can get on the outside, I don't think, with players who are bigger, a little bit more physical and so I think ultimately you're right here. This could be the final season for Shepard with the Giants. Yeah, and you, you want to have hope that your guys on your team are going to do good, but I just don't see how much more he can give us. He's been hurt pretty much ever since his rookie season when he was really good. Ever since then, he's just been hurt. Concussions piling up. A lot of stuff is happening with him. It's just I, I see Kadarius Tony probably being probably getting involved in the slot more than Sterling Shepard this year maybe. Yeah, I don't think that's a crazy take, my man. I, I really don't. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Like you said, it's been concussions. It's been foot injuries. It's just been a lot of unfortunate things for our good guy, Sterling, Sterling Shepard. All right. That's all the time we have for tonight. Nick has got to run, and I actually have to jump on another radio spot in a minute or two. So 
Thank you for everyone joining the room. If we didn't get to some of your questions, hit us up on Twitter or join us next week as well. Probably going to do a mailbag podcast soon as well. So thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your night, and we will talk to you soon.